Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Coming up on this episode of White Wine Question Time. My niece Jody Bitney got me that job. She called me and said, Uncle Les, our director, Prasanna, He's looking for a Liverpool actor to play me dad. Do you know any? (laughs) (laughs) Hello? When there were six cars parked outside my house every day from six in the morning until six at night, there were press bouncing off of cars. It was a crazy, crazy time. And I thought, did I murder somebody? No, my marriage is in trouble. It's getting frustrating now because I've done it so often. And people go, what, you're in a musical? I've done 15 musicals. <laughs> means obviously, as you say, people think it's going to be crap in that. Hello and welcome to White Wine Question Time, the podcast that asks its guests three thought-provoking questions over three glasses of wine. And my guest this week is a man who's been a part of the rich tapestry of our stage and small screen history for over 50 years now. Born in 1950s working class Liverpool, he went to the same school as Paul McCartney and John Lennon. But far more interesting to him was the fact that veteran comedian Jimmy Tarbuck had also been a pupil at the same school. He wanted to be Jimmy Tarbuck, the fifth and funniest Beatle. 
And so he built an act as a teenager with mainly impressions performing on talent shows like Opportunity Knox while he was still at school and honing his skills on the working men's club circuit in the north of England, which ultimately led to an invitation to join TV show Russ Abbott's Madhouse, where he met his double act partner, Dustin G. And at the height of their success in the 80s, they were quite simply the Anton Deck of their day. He went on to host Family Fortunes for 16 years, by which time he'd already married his childhood sweetheart, Lynn, and become a father to his eldest child, Philip. When their marriage ended after 16 years, he went on to marry Amanda Holden for seven years before their divorce played out in a blaze of headlines and he found himself living through very difficult times, all the while starring in Chicago, doing eight shows a week in the West End, trying to re-pivot his career, this time as an actor. And it's as an actor that he's having a brilliant third professional chapter. Now he's starring in the West End run of 42nd Street. He is honestly, as you're about to discover, just one of the nicest men you could hope to spend an hour with. So let's do it, shall we? Let's dial him up. It's Les Dennis. Hello. Hiya, Les. How you doing? I've done a lot, haven't I? <laughs> You have done a lot. It's over 50 years, Les. It's crazy. Really? It's over 50 years since you've been working. 52. 52 years. I did opportunity knock. You mentioned that. that I, I, I go back to that as my first um, gig. Uh, it, was 19, it was my first telly gig in 1971. I'd, I'd started doing the clubs while I was still at school before that. But I, I go back. Um, it, I'm, I'm counting it as 52 years since uh, Op knocks. Jeez. Yeah. And what a lot you've done. And do you know what? I'm loving watching you now in this kind of, I call it your third chapter. Yeah. You're still an incredibly funny man. I'm sure if, I, you know, if it was just you on stage with the mic, you could click back into Les chapter one quite quickly and easily. But actually, you're really stretching your legs now, aren't you, at this stage of your career? Yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, I, I would find it quite scary to go back to chapter one, to go back to being on stage on my own. I was going to, um, when I got to 50 years, I was going to do, but and, and that co coincided with the pandemic, I was going to do a one-man show, a kind of retrospective and look back at my career. And that didn't happen. Um, but uh, uh, maybe I'll get back to that. But I, that would be prefer being part of a company. It's much more, much more um, fulfilling for me right now. But I mean, listen, you heard, what, yeah, listen, I, of course, you've heard what I've just said because you've lived what I've just said. But did you imagine at that time that you got the call from Ricky Gervais to say, yeah, you're in, you're doing Chicago. Your life's falling down around your ears a little at the moment. Um, yeah. What about coming and playing a sort of spoofed version of yourself? Did you think that that would seriously open up the opportunity to work for the RSC, to be called up by the English National Opera? I mean, Les, you've really stretched where <laughs> you've gone. <laughs> I know, I know. When when Ricky called, I mean, literally, I'd just come out of the Big Brother house, and the phone wasn't. You know, I mean, I I went in thinking that I was going to get a reboot. Everybody says they go into the Big Brother house or or a show like that for charity or whatever, and, and certainly, you know, at that time there was no fee when we were doing those. The, the, there was no fee. Um, so, you know, you say, oh, I'm going in for charity. But I was going in to try and kick, kickstart again because Family Fortunes had ended. I decided mm -hmm. to leave it because, it, you know, it, it had gone to a daytime slot. And they, they I mean, I, I, I left it because of money, to be honest. It was they offered an insultingly 98% uh, pay cut. So, I, you know, time to go, you know, time to go um, mm -hmm. and, 
at the right at the right time while it's still a great show. Um, and uh, the phone wasn't ringing so um, until Ricky Gervais called and uh, offered me, as you say, the um, twisted, demented version of myself in it. <laughs> and um, a lot of friends said, don't do it, Les. You know, they're, they're just taking the mickey. And they weren't. He was giving me the chance to to show that I had a sense of humour about being called Les Miserables. So, um, yeah, who would have known that that would then lead to a reinvention and to, well, the English National Opera, that was great to do. And the RSC was always something that I wanted to do. I'd been to Stratford when I was 17 with the school and I'd seen an actor called Emrys James play Feste. Um, and and I, I still haven't done Shakespeare. That's still something I want to do. But it was a great, great experience to work at the RSA. And that was down to my niece. My niece, it was uh, my niece, Jodie McNee, got me that job. She was playing Belvedere in Venice Preserved. And she called me and said, Uncle Les, um, our, our director, Prasanna, he's looking for a Liverpool actor to play me, Dad. Do you know any? <laughs> <laughs> like that. Hello? No, it's me. I, what, what <laughs> I? So um, I'm persona and got the role of uh, playing this um, twisted, again, really evil um, Venetian senator in in Reserve. I had a great time, and they are yeah, they're, they're, they're steps that have taken me away from what I, the Jimmy Tarbuck years, <laughs> the yeah, years. Well, that takes me really nicely into my first question for you, Les. Are you ready? Yes. The word blindsided popped up quite a lot as I was researching you. In as much as, oh, Les Dennis, blindsided audiences. He, you know, people were expecting you to be, frankly, a bit crap. And, you know, it was like Les Dennis of Family Fortunes, you know, Les Dennis from Russ Abbott's Madhouse. And there you were able to absolutely razzle-dazzle, you know. Um, So I wondered... What's been the benefit of being blindsided by the opportunities that have come along when you least expected them, Les? And what were those opportunities? Yeah, blindsided is one word. And the other word that comes up a lot is a revelation. (laughs) And Denise Welsh and I, we call each other up and she's, you know, when she when she does a a straight play, um, people don't expect that she's such a good actor. And um, she always says, did you were you a revelation again, Les? Yes, I was a revelation. Were you? <laughs> so it's it's nice to it's kind of I feel like it's um, a card up my sleeve that, that people don't expect it. So, um, but it's getting frustrating now because I've done it so often, and people go, "What? You're in a musical? I've done I've done fifteen musicals." <laughs> a lot in Legally Blonde, in Hairspray, um, and so it, me and my girl, the first one I ever did. So it's always, um, it, it, to, to, it's getting frustration that I'm still blindsiding and then I <laughs> the revelation. It means, obviously, as you say, people think, he's going to be crap in that. <laughs> so um, it's, in, in many ways, it's, it's frustrating. But then again, when you get the offer like to, you know, like the ENO to play Sir Joseph Porter at the English National Opera and sing with these beautiful, wonderful opera singers um, and to be saying toy, toy, toy instead of break a leg. That's what they say in opera world. Oh, is that right? 
those toy 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 to you Tim. Um, it's it's <laughs> to to have that 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 wonderful unexpected joy. You know, um, I'm yeah. things that that I that I, I've been in this business so long now that I always want to be challenged if I'm doing something. I want to do something that that people don't expect from me. And um, and they certainly didn't expect me to go into 42nd Street, which is a big tap musical. But I'm... How's that going, Les, as you approach your 70th birthday? All right. <laughs> With a, a new knee, um, it's it's been quite a cha- challenge. To... But I learned to tap for me and my girl so I can I can do the odd time step. I mean, no pressure, but you're performing with Adam Garcia, who's like you know, a dance judge on shows. He's that good. And Ruthie Henshaw, who also knows her way around a tap shoe. He's wonderful. Um, and he doesn't tap in, in this show until the very end because he plays Julian Marsh, the um, autocratic, really um, hard-bitten um, Broadway um, director. Um, and so he's, he's the one that gets um, Peggy Sawyer. Um, the, the show is a, about a show within a show. It's yeah. um, um, a Pretty Lady. We're putting on the musical Pretty Lady. Myself and Josephina Gabrielle play the two writers, um, Barry and Jones. And, um, and Dorothy Brock is the old school um, Broadway star. She breaks her ankle on stage and the young ingenue, um, played by um, Nicole... Lily Baston, who's brilliant, takes over from from Ruthie in that role. And it's a wonderful show. But uh, Adam, as I say, taps at the end and the audience are relieved and it's a joy to see him do it. Yeah, I bet they're holding their breath, kind of waiting for that, because that man is is quite the sensation on two feet, isn't he? Great. And he's a lovely guy as well. Yeah. I was hoping, you know, you always think, oh, I, I, I love and respect this guy. I hope he's a nice guy. And he is. And Ruthie is a lovely woman. We've had a, a great time, really great time. So, so, I mean, you're right. When we traced back earlier in our chat, the fact that these opportunities came about because you took a risk, right? A risk at the invitation of Ricky Gervais at a time when you didn't really know where you were going. I guess you were at a, a, a crossroads. I was uh, at a crossroads. Mm. It, in, you know, in, in every way. I'd come out of the Big Brother house, the phone wasn't ringing, you know, my marriage was coming to an end. It was, it was. I didn't know where I was, what I was doing. Um, and I was actually, I was, when the, the call came from my agent saying, Ricky Chavez wants you to call him, um, I was going around looking for a new house. So I was really at a massive crossroads in life, you know? And, and it suddenly, I thought, no, it's not, it won't be Ricky, it'll be John Colshaw having a laugh. Yeah. Uh, not now, John. I'm not in a good place. <laughs> when I had, with that, <laughs> that kind of that massive laugh of his when he came on the phone, and, and I thought, well, it is him, and uh, and he said, come in and meet us, and it was a great. It, it, I, I think I I had your um, episode with Hannah Waddingham, and again, he was knocking on the door for so many years. She was a triple threat in theatre, and then suddenly Ted Lasso has been just shown how beautiful and wonderful uh, a talent she is. Um, it was it was that that chance again. It was it was just something from nowhere. It blindsided me, whereas I might blindside other people. It blindsided me to get that opportunity. Yeah, she yeah she had Jason Sudeikis and you had Ricky Gervais, and yeah. it's people that make you that force audiences to sit up and pay attention to you. That's yeah. what it does. They don't make you good; 
they just make you available to audiences to make their own mind up and you take it from there and from that moment on Les you really haven't looked back I mean just this this part of your career alone would be enough for most people but you'd already had 16 years as Mr Saturday Night and then you've got all the stand-up all the comedy all the stuff with Dustin in the 80s where I mean at one point you and Dustin were on Saturday and Sunday night telly when there was only three channels in the country I mean your exposure to audiences you were Anton Deck but probably bigger he would, um, it was it would it was his heavenly birthday the other day. He would have been eighty one. Um, oh. I mean, the the Ridiculously talent young. that 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 he had that hadn't hadn't been exposed to 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 audiences. It's a shame that that they that we didn't see that. And who knows whether we'd be together now or whether we would be doing separate things. But I know that we still would be um, a force as friends. You know, he was the loveliest, loveliest man. He came into my life at a, at a time that I was I was a rookie comic. I was, you know, pursuing the Jimmy Tarbuck dream um, in Panto in summer seasons um, with Russ Abbott. Um, and Dustin came along when he was already a star. He was already... Yeah. In in the uh, in the club world, as a, as somebody who could fill a club for a week, you know, without any TV exposure, and he came along and wanted to join up with me in a in a double act. It was incredible. It was a great gift and a great. Um, I miss him to this day. He was he was a wonderful um, inspiration, and he's left me. He left me with a legacy. He left me with with a TV career that that he had given me. You know, I know it. It sounds like oh, but you know. He he came along when in Panto, for instance, we were doing Panto together with Russ Abbott, and he his billing was 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 Dustin G and Les Dennis, and we were teamed together as as the. So ugly. he he was the headline. He had the bigger font. You yeah. were almost special <laughs> guest or yeah, with was, you were with with Les Dennis. <laughs> with Les, and he went along to the, our then manager. Uh, and said, um, I, I don't agree with this, and I want parity of pay. I'm getting double Les's wage, and I want him to get, I want to share that wage. So that was so generous and so unusual. And uh, and he also wow. said... Wow. No said, one does that anymore, do they, Les? That's, well, people no, do, I hope. But that no, is huge general. The thing is, there's nothing in it for him. No, so much in it for you. That's yeah. somebody that really cares. And he also said, he said, Les Dennis and Dustin G sounds better than Dustin G and Les Dennis. Let's change it round. So, That's right. Yeah, it, it, it does. It comes better. So, but, wow. Yeah. So you were probably quite blindsided, I would imagine, by his generosity. Yeah, blindsided by, by his generosity, certainly by his amazing talent. You know, I used to be sometimes on stage watching him create... Um, impressions with he, he was great with props, Dustin. He could he could put on he could put in a, a set of teeth. He loved kind of going to the dentist and getting teeth for different characters. He could put in teeth, put on a pair of glasses, slick his hair down, and Larry Grayson was in front of you. Um, or he could put on a cowboy hat and pull a face, and Robert Mitchum was there in front of you. And I had to do all. I just did little impressions. I felt I felt like we, it was a boxing match with. Dustin and me, he would go. He'd go for the knockout, and I'd go for the jabs. You know, the little, the, the little jabs, the little impressions. Like, oh, Johnny, you were Scrappy Doo to his Scooby Doo. I was absolutely. <laughs> he did. 
yeah, yeah, we would have done that. We would have ended up doing those two. You should have. Well, had had things been different, yeah. We put people you wouldn't expect together, like Larry Grayson and Boy George, like Billy Connolly and Bobby Ball, even Vera and Mavis that we did weren't friends in Coronation Street. Vera was Ivy's mate. Uh, in the factory, and Mavis, of course, course, was with Rita. So to put Vera and Mavis together was an odd couple. We were an odd couple of... of, And nobody had done it before. There'd never been an Impressionist double act before. It was... was, Like you say, I was blindsided, and then suddenly the rug was pulled from underneath when he died so unexpectedly and so tragically. And you went back to work that day, that night, the next day? I can't remember which... I, I was persuaded to go back to work. Yeah, it was crazy. I call my autobiography, Must the Show Go On? Because with hindsight, I now won't do that. I, you know, I would say now, sorry, you've got an understudy, put, put somebody on instead of me. But at that time, I would, we were always told the show must go on. And I was convinced that to, I should go back on in Panto the next day with the lovely and you know he was uh, a, a great talent Jim Bowen but it was you know it was the wrong time for me to do that but I just got on with it you know crazy well fortunately times have changed um, yeah. before we move on from this can I just pick up on a night where you were slightly blindsided by the woman who was to become the most recent Mrs Hesseltine, your lovely Claire Claire in the community as she's known to her friends such is her efficiency and organization She says, of the night she met you, my friends had dragged me to a charity event in London and halfway through the evening, I fancied a boogie. I looked around and there was Les Dennis on the next table. I thought, what's the worst that can happen? He can only say no. Les was obviously nervous while we danced, but I thanked him and we sat back down at our separate tables. My friends had managed to get hold of a picture of us on the dance floor, so I went over to him, tapped him on the shoulder and showed it to him. He thought I wanted his autograph and signed it to Claire. Best wish this as Dennis. <laughs> the first photo of me and Claire on the dance floor. And remember, you know, at that time, whenever anybody took a, a photo of me with a woman, they, they had me down the aisle, you know. Yeah. It was all, all over the tabloids. So I was thinking, oh, no, this is going to be everywhere. But it was actually an in-house pho- photographer, so it didn't go anywhere. But I, I went into default mode and said, would you like me to sign it? So the first photo of me and Claire, kind of, we're holding each other in this dance pose. And across her arm, it says, best wishes to Claire, best wishes to Dennis. So, <laughs> but then I, I recovered from that and said, would you like to go to dinner? And uh, thankfully, she said, yes, yeah. she wasn't put off by the, by the scrawl across her, <laughs> across her arm at that <laughs> We went to dinner and, um, yeah, she's, she's been great for me. She's been absolutely, you know, like you say, Claire in the community. Do you remember we were both at Lisa... Lisa Maxwell's. Lisa Maxwell's wedding. And Claire went up and sorted out sound. I was like, what are you... <laughs> what? Not right. Do the sounds. I'm going to go up. I'm going to... But you can't. You don't know anything about it. I'm going to talk to somebody who can sort it. You're doing speeches and the sound's not right. <laughs> I was like, oh, please, not now. <laughs> she is she is so efficient. She it's it's like she walks through life with an imaginary clipboard. <laughs> and of course at that wedding as best man was Adam Garcia. Of course. Yeah. Of course, yes. I'm going to remind him of that that we have met. Yeah. <laughs> 
Did course. you not realise? No, I, I'd forgotten, you know, that I probably was too worried about my wife showing everybody, you know, <laughs> I was like, stop it now. <laughs> no. Teaching all the sound grandmothers to suck eggs. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, I'm glad that Claire came and blindsided you one way or another. Um, but I do love the fact that you tried to sign an autograph at picture. <laughs> <laughs> it's so unsexy, but it, it listen, did the job, Les. Did the job. So you've got Philip, who's 43. Yeah. You've got Tom, who's 12. And you've got Ella, who's 15, yeah? Ellie, Ellie's 15. Ellie's yeah. 15. Yeah. Yeah. That's quite... Yeah. A, you've been doing a lot of school runs for a lot of years. See why I, I, I work so much. I come to work for a rest. <laughs> yeah, still school runs. I, yeah, even when when I'm doing a show like this and I go home, usually it's on a Sunday night because we have a Sunday matinee. I make sure I get up the next day and do the school run there and back, you know. But although yeah, um, yesterday Tom was like, he said to, to Claire, he said, is it my imagination or did I see Dad for a nanosecond today? Because I then took Ellie to um, her work experience in Liverpool. So I legged it to Liverpool yesterday and then made sure I was there and stayed with my sister, Marg, and, and Ellie and got her settled in um, with a, a work experience week in a theatre. So, yeah, I, I love being with my kids. And I, I, and I thank Claire for the, for the gift that, that she's given me with them. It was really, it was really funny when um, uh, I did a play called um, Certified Male. And in the play, my character um, ha rings his wife and says, yeah, I went to Baby Gap because he's got, he's got a chance again. He's got a, a, another kid. And I went to get Baby Gap and I got a blue one and a pink one just in case. And um, when Claire came to see the play during the run, of course, and, and she, that night she gave me a box and I opened it and it was, it's a Baby Gap. And I went, what's this? She said, I got you a blue one and a pink one just in case. And I went, don't tempt fe Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Really? And that was her way of telling me that she, she was pregnant. And it was so moving and so touching to get that, to, to, for the art to imitate the... To imitate life and, yeah. Oh, Les, that's lovely. Yeah. Was it so something that you were thinking? I mean, had you... Had you thought you'd like another you'd like another chance at parenting? Because I know when Philip was little, you were in the eye of your your career storm. You were so busy. You can't you, you can't you can't have been as present as you have been this time around necessarily. No, that's right. Absolutely. You know, and Philip's Philip's birthday is the 22nd of December. So I was always in pantomime. I always rushed home to, to see him, you know, give him his birthday present. But then always had to leg back to Nottingham or, you know, wherever I was in Panto. Um, and, and, and yeah, then they, they, of course, would come down for the school holidays. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was always... I, I, I wasn't as present as I would like to have been. Yeah. Yeah. But how lovely that... I mean, Claire's still blindsiding you, right? She turns up, you're doing yeah. a play, here's a box. Here's a box. A yeah, no, two flavours. Don't tempt fate. Oh, really? Oh, I see. <laughs> Selling a little or a lot? 
Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Right, your next question, Les. Yeah. I want you to imagine that you are a casting director and you oh. are casting and putting together the central cast for the story of Les Dennis. Right. Who yeah. are the characters wow. that we need to cast, the seminal players, the ones that got you sat here today backstage in your dressing room at Sadler's Wells? Well, we'd have to... We'd, we, my mum my and dad would have to be major in that. My dad um, kind of not not thinking that uh, a working class kid could be in show business. Don't be bloody stupid. Get a bloody proper job. He was lovely, but he he didn't he didn't believe it could happen. Um, so who would play my dad? Um, gosh, this is this is tough, isn't it? Um, it would be it would have to be a working class actor. I think I'd have Stephen Graham as my dad. Oh, that's a nice one. You know, um, well, I mean, I don't. I hope your dad wouldn't be offended. Ricky Tomlinson, maybe. Ricky Tomlinson. That's a good. That's a good choice. Yeah, Ricky Tomlinson would be good. Um, and my mum. Well, actually, Sue Johnson would be great as my mum. My mum was, was the the one that believed and the one that pushed me. She had had her chance when she was uh, younger. She uh, had gone along to um, the Empire Theatre in Liverpool. Um, and the, there used to be a guy who was the the first Huey Green or Simon Cowell of his day um, called Carol Levis, Carol, Carol Levis Discoveries. And my mum went backstage when Carol Levis was auditioning and she sneaked, somehow she got backstage at the, at the Empire and she went back and she was shouting, paging Carol Levis, paging Carol Levis, which was what, on the radio show, that's how it his show opened. And Carol Levis came out of his dressing room. <laughs> and my mum was 14. And 
uh, young lady. Sassy. And she said, I'm, I'm sorry, Mr. Levis. He said, if you've got the talent to match your cheek, I'll audition you tomorrow afternoon. And my mum ran all the way home, three miles to Garston, um, and said to, to her mum, Carol Levis, I've got an audition with Carol Levis tomorrow. And she said, her mum said, no, you know, you start in the Bobbins Works tomorrow. You, 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 you she, she, she was working. Bobbins Works being the factory, yeah? Yeah, yeah, in Liverpool. And that was, that the Bobbins <gasps> was the, my mum's first job and she didn't get the chance to do what she wanted. But she saw in me that I wanted to do it. And she wasn't a showbiz mother, uh, you know, put you, don't put your daughter on the stage, Mrs. Worthington. She wasn't that kind of um, pushy showbiz mum. She was somebody who just encouraged me and nudged me towards it. So uh, Sue Johnson would be good as my mum. She would, wouldn't she? And what a lovely lady as well. Yeah. Um, what, what about your sisters? I mean, were your sisters a big part of, of who you went on to become? Marg, my sister Marg is has become, you know, my mum died quite young. My mum died at 51. Uh, so young, Les, that's yeah. so young. What's, what took her at such a young age? Uh, she, um, uh, lung cancer. She's I'm so sorry. And she worked in a factory all her life. She worked, you know, she worked hard to, to, to get us moving forwards we were we were in this um chesterton street uh, 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 in garston a uh, two up two down and she got us into Childwall, which was very posh Childwall is where brookside is filmed or was filmed and right. now filmed so um Childwall was a big move up but she got us into a, again it was a, a council house but she got us um she got us moved up to there and then they bought my mum and dad bought that council house so she was which, which we must never lose sight of, right? For you know, for working class folk like you and I, right, coming from that background, yeah, to buy your own home yeah. was really something. You know, you were upwardly mobile. You had you transitioned yeah. into the lower middle classes. Not that it yeah. was about climbing class walls. It was about having something that was yours that you could pass down that wasn't just a rent book with somebody's name on it. No, exactly. And my mum was always one who wanted that, you know, mm. she wanted that for us. And she she saw, you know, that I could move forwards as a as an entertainer. So she pushed for us. Um, my, but when she died, my sister Marg has become that kind of that powerful matriarchal figure in our. I think we're we're a family where the the women are the the strong ones. You know, the ones that. Well, you were slightly outnumbered, Les, weren't you? We're outnumbered, yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. You and your dad versus how many? Uh, well, there was there was my um, my sister Marg and Mandy, and there was me and our Ken. So we were we were even. Oh, right. But we're, we're, the, in strength, it was the women that had it, that that, um, that pushed. Yeah. So yeah, our mark, um, that would be that would be a good one. Um, yeah, when when she was younger, maybe Jodie Comer. <laughs> yeah. Or nice. Play who play our mark? My niece Jodie would play because yeah. my niece is is a massive talent, Jodie McNee. Uh, she's 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 done um, uh, leads at the RSC. Uh, at the national, she's um, she's more of a stage actor than she is a, um, a, a telly actor, but she she's brilliant. 
So we, we give Jodie a, a big break. She's done films. She was um, in Judy um, playing Judy Garland's uh, makeup artist and ah. done um, film stars don't... Is that the Helena Bonham Carter version? Is that what you're talking about? No, the, the Judy Garland um, film with Rennie Zellweger. Blimey, she's, the girl's done good. Yeah, she's done good, yeah. So she could, it would be nice to keep it in the family, wouldn't it? My, yeah. My, you see, if my mum had been around when I was at the RSC playing my niece's father on the stage of the RSC, she would have been so thrilled to see that. So let's, let's, let's have Jodie as, as our Marg. Oh, Marg, lovely. Who else are the key players that have got you to where you are? Those that, I mean, obviously we've discussed Dustin, but yeah. he, he came into to your world because somebody had already set you on a path in terms of taking you on. Who was it that gave you the first big booking or first big agent that showed well, you some love? I, I suppose, well, Mike Hughes was, was quite big. Mike Hughes was um, in Liverpool at the time. He was the biggest uh, showbiz agent. He had all the TV comedians, um, and he had Freddie Starr at the time. So he was a massive agent and um, in Liverpool, and he was getting bigger um, in, in, the, in the industry generally. He had then had Russ Abbott. So Mike was a big influence in my career. He, I was with him for 27 years. He was, so he would have to feature. Um, he, had a, he had a strange look of Brian Ferry. Um, Did he? But but certainly not the the dress sense of Brian Ferry. He fully, first time I met him, he was in a red sweater, red trousers, red shoes. You could say he was co coordinated, you know, in a very uh, unimaginative way. But um, but yeah, he he was um, he he's been he's been a big influence, you know. Um, I'm not I'm not with him any longer because he saw that I wanted to go a different way, and he let me go a different way. So you part a company after 27 years? Yeah, yeah. That's a tough yeah. one, isn't it? But still remain friends after that, yeah. That's nice. And weirdly, I mean, God, life is sometimes um, strange in the way it serves up, uh, the way things play out, Les. But Mike's son, Chris, then went on to marry your ex-wife, Amanda Holden. Yeah, yeah. There was. Um, it's funny. I, I I tell this story in my book that um, when when Mike became my manager in uh, what 1973, uh, and Lynn and I were about to get married, my first wife Lynn, um, we were excited that Mike had become my manager, and um, she said, "Let's drive past his house because he lived on Queen's Drive in Liverpool." Is um, that a fancy address? Yeah. It was it was a lovely lovely big um, detached house on 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 the main the main kind of um, ring road in Liverpool. So it was it had a lot of traffic through it, but it was a nice house. So we passed, and the, the curtains were open, and I went, "Look, there he is!" And we saw Mike Hughes picking up a little child and swinging the child round. And Lynn, later after a lot of things had happened in my life, yeah. she said to me, she said. Just think, if we'd known then that somebody had tapped on our shoulders as we were sat in the front of you know, the car that I was driving, a, Mar a Morris Marina, uh, she said, imagine if somebody had said to us then, you two are going to marry next year, but your marriage won't last, and you, Les, will marry a younger woman 
who will one day then marry the child that has been swung round in that room. By your it, new agent. <laughs> was Yeah, yeah, uh, which which did happen. I mean, incredible of, of Lynn to be able to, to talk to me like, like that, yeah. you know, that all those years later. You just don't know what your life is going to throw at you, do you? No, you don't. But in that moment, there and then, you were starting out on your... You were about to become a married man, you and Lynn, starting married life together. Your career was taking a big hit, big hit in terms of elevation because this guy had taken you on, big talent manager, you know. And you're right, you just don't know what's down the road, do you? Don't know, not at all. Um, who else would be featured in your central cast, Les? Um, well, it would have to be Claire. Claire would have to be to be there because you know um, to to get what I've got this later in my life, you know, to get this wonderful new beginning in in family life as well as um, as well as my career is is I mean it's she never ever says you can't do that because I just did a play a Bolton um, rep. And you know it was two hundred and fifty quid a week. She didn't. She wouldn't say to me, "You can't do that because we can't afford it." Um, she'd say, "Do it." You know, if it if it's going to stretch, you do it. And it was Spring and Port Wine, a brilliant sixties um, drama. Where again, I blindsided. Um, uh, Were you revelationless? Apparently, in the Guardian, it was an indelible um, performance. I had to look up indelible. indelible. <laughs> so. Um, <laughs> um, we'll never say no, no, sorry, you, you, we need you around or whatever. Don't you can't do that. She will always encourage me to play um, and to, to take those chances. And did it feed the soul if it didn't feed your bellies, Les? That's that's oh, yeah. that's, that's exactly. the question. Sometimes you need to feel, feed your soul as well. Yeah, you do, you do, and then you can go and earn the big bucks in the West End. Yeah, and then she will be doing. You know, when I'm when I'm away on tour, she's she, she's kind of single mum for a while. She has to be, but it's the way. And and I say, I'm so sorry. She says, it's what you've always done, and we will make it work. You know, whenever um, I'm away, the the school holidays, she will make sure that they come for the whole of the soups. When they came, they had a, a summer in Stratford, which is is a wonderful summer for them yeah. to. So they get to to visit and see the the, the this world and love it. Yeah. They love it, clearly because Ellen has gone to do work uh, work experience in a theatre in Liverpool. Yeah, she's at the Royal Court there, isn't she? Yeah, she is. Yeah, yeah. That's incredible. So she's obviously got. I mean, uh, Philip's not not shown any signs of wanting to go into the to the business now. Philip did um, uh, have. He's had little dealings with it and still does. He's, uh, he's in um, uh, a couple of low-budget films um, right now. And, um, oh, but, so he's an actor? Has, he, as an actor, yeah. Um, but he does it when, when, when the chance comes up, but he also works really hard as a landscaper right now. And, um, Good man. Yeah, Good proper man. job. So who's going to play Claire? This is very key casting, by the way. She will be listening. You know she will. Oh, right. OK, who will play Claire? Um, well, you know what? Uh, people always said, who's the, um, the, the girl who played Wonder Woman? The, the, not... Linda Carter. 
Linda Carter. Let's have Linda Carter. Linda on... Carter. That's a nice one. And play Claire. Okay. But who yeah. else are your your must-haves? Your couldn't have done it without you's. Um, well, I suppose Amanda would have to be there. You know, it's a chapter in my life that, that was was huge, um, and uh, I have no idea who who to cast in that role. I think she could probably pull that one off herself. Yeah, maybe, maybe, yeah. And who's going to play you, Les? Most importantly, who's going to play you? Well, it would have been Keith Chegwin if he'd if he'd still been around. <laughs> Bless him. I love Chegwin. Loved him. Who, who would play me? Um, I don't know. Jason Watkins. Oh, yes. Also an excellent... Looks a bit like you, Les. Well, you know what? He recently um, uh, direct messaged me about something. We started following each other and he said, oh, let's hope we play get to play brothers one day. So, um, that would be... Me, yeah. That would be great. Jason Watkins is a great call. A good call, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, unbelievable. Right, final question. Are you ready? I'm wishing I was swigging white wine for this. But... So do I, but you've got a show tonight mm-hmm. and lines to not only learn and remember, but actually get out. I wanted to drill into the expression, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And yeah. I wonder when and how that's been true for you, because I think sometimes we have to do difficult things or go through uncomfortable periods in our lives to become a better person, to live a ultimately a better life. So when has that yeah. been the, the case for you over your almost 70 years? Gosh, um, you know what? I, I, I love that, um, that phrase, and it did come up a lot when, uh, you know, when I was at the, the, the height of the storm with marriage, with press um, attention, um, I was hacked for nine years. I was, you know, uh, found out when when we um, looked into it that I was, you know, there was there was a uh, people hacking me for nine years, and I was then. Um, which is which? Which really does um, knock you off your feet, doesn't it? Because suddenly you have to roll back over those nine years and unpick the paranoia, the friendships you that you cut, the relationships that you. You, you froze and walked away from. Because you were always told a close friend says. You always, you, when you read things about yourself and you thought, no, I didn't know that. And it's always a close friend says. And that was what, how they masqueraded what they were doing by, by hacking, by, you know, getting into your voicemails. You know, that's how they did it. They, they got, they didn't, they didn't hack your phone. Um, they used to apparently... Um, they would have two phones and they would phone you and while you were answering that then with the second phone phone and get you into your voicemail because at a time when it you wasn't even vo- while you were answering they just tied that line up so that yeah. ultimately when they made the call on the second device it yeah. went straight to voicemail and then they would just take a guess at what your phone password or passcode could be and then bang they're in I mean you're right I mean listen I had it as well like nine years it's a long time I echo every one of those years Les and you know people say oh well you know it's something you asked for it isn't something we asked for you know and it was intrusive and it was it was hard to deal with so you know that phrase um you know that does it was Nietzsche wasn't it was it Nietzsche that said that you Makes you stronger yeah. is is a, a great one, but the one that I cling to is the opening line from um, the book The Go Between, 
the past is a foreign country. They do things differently there. Hmm. Uh, uh, well, you know what? That was then. This is now. And I look forwards rather than trying to um, look back. And and then, but when I do look back, and I can say, well, it didn't kill me, and it made me stronger. So yeah, and I think often the fear of what could go wrong is often worse than when it does go wrong because when it does go wrong you have no choice you you can't let lay, lay awake at night fretting about what's ifs and maybes you've just got to get on with getting through right and i think sometimes that is the bit where the strength come because you're not dead it didn't kill you no. and you know you have to pick yourself up sometimes it's it's not impossible depending on what your experience but ultimately i think that's where we extract value from life because that's where we learn yes it is where it is where we learn absolutely yeah, and uh, and and I do feel stronger. I, you know, sometimes you kind of you look back and think that what, what did I do when there were when there were six cars parked outside my house every day from six in the morning until six at night, and when I was going to um, to to be in uh, in Chicago playing the cuckolded husband. And there were, you know, there were press bouncing off, uh, off my, off cars. Um, you know, it was, it was a crazy time. It was a crazy, crazy time. And I thought, did I murder somebody? No, my marriage is in trouble. Um, but it was, it was at a time when the press were fascinated with, with, with. It was, and and it, it, it was out of proportion. You know? Yeah. And in places we know that there was illegal news gathering taking place on an almost daily basis yeah. around characters like yourself. Yeah. Um, so that's not easy to live with. But I think, you know, prior to that, Les, you'd also had to find huge resolve, you know, be it as a young kid that dies on stage <laughs> and has to yeah. keep going, be it as yeah. the young man that finds the right comedy partner and for two and a half years you two fly high and then he 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 drops dead yeah you know those um, moments must have required huge resolve for you they did absolutely you know dustin was living he knew he was on borrowed time he had a condition called cardiomyopathy which is really? a enlarged heart muscle and he lived his life you know in those last two and a half years when we were together he lived it absolutely to the fullest and enjoyed it and didn't want to give up didn't want to slow down um and he actually was there when when tommy cooper died and we were there i remember i went for dinner with uh, with dustin and nina mishkov afterwards and we were all in shock um, and Dustin said, that's the way I want to go. I want to die with my boots on. And then two years later, he collapsed in uh, backstage in uh, pantomime. Uh, he'd come off stage. Um, we were laughing and joking. He came off stage. He held his left arm and he looked at me and said, I think I'm dying. And he collapsed. And he went, um, uh, our company manager, Basil Soper, gave him uh, mouth to mouth. And he was in a coma for two days. Um, I went to see him. He, he squeezed my hand. He didn't. He didn't wake, but he woke and, and talked to his mum and his sister uh, on the third of January, nineteen. When was it? Nineteen eighty-six. Um, and 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 then and then slipped away. Um, so he, yeah. I and the result that then I had to go. Okay. Well, that rug's been pulled from under me. I've lost my best friend. He was my best friend at that time. Mm -hmm. 
absolutely and and my comedy partner um and and i then went on stage the next day and had to prove to audiences that i could do it on my own you know i i knew that i could because i'd always been a solo act for years and years but i had to prove that i i could go forwards and that's why when i said that he left me with a legacy he really did he left me with that chance and that opportunity to show that i could do it and family fortunes came along and then that uh, that carried on for 16 15 16 years so yeah. but you have had to at points completely recalibrate reinvent reconfigure call it what you like and it's exhausting to keep doing that but also it can be utterly thrilling because we live a long life now or or being well some people don't want to do the same thing from the age of sort of 18 19 20 till the day that they retire you know, and I'm one of those people. I like to have a tapas career, you know, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. I like that. I like that. I don't want to eat the same sandwich every day. I don't want to do the same job every day. Do you know what I mean? And that's what I, I've been lucky enough to do. I, you know, and, and for a time I used to say, oh, jack of all trades, uh, master of none. Mm. I think what I say is jack of all trades, master of some. So I do think that there are some that I have prove that I, you know, uh, I'm worthy of that position. I think we all have imposter syndrome in this in this business. It's so easy to doubt yourself. Um, Ruthie and I were talking about that the other day. She's a wonderful, wonderful talent and a wonderful woman, but she's as insecure as we all can be at times. You should interview Ruthie. She's a great, great... Absolutely. But you hear it in so many of the guests that come on here, and I, you know, and I, I say it myself, you know, and I think you, it gets to a stage where you've been doing it for decades, right? As as have I, but you've you've got a few more decades on on, on your CV than I have, Les. But after a while, you start to think, well, maybe that's that's that for me is success now. The fact that I'm still able to do it, yeah. I'm still here. Yeah. That yeah. I'm not that I'm not that awful that I've been kicked to the curb, and the audiences come to listen because I love what I do, and I think that's really important as well. People need to know that you love what you do in order you to come do it to it. So well as well, you know, um you got me through that and today from Liverpool to here I just went, Oh, I want another one, I want another one. So it's a wonderful it's a wonderful oh, Thanks Les. Um Les, thank you as always for talking thank to me. I I never not enjoy our conversations. You are truly lovely. a lovely bloke and oh. so many stories to share and tell. Thanks for sharing some with me today. Yeah. Thanks very much, Kate. Love. And when so you're at Sadler's Wells at the moment, and then the tour goes out on the road around the UK, new cast. In a couple of weeks, new cast, um, Sam Wormack, um, uh, Michael Prade, Faye Tozer, um, Ollie Farnworth, who played my son in Coronation Street. And we go, we start in uh, Canterbury in a few weeks, and then we go everywhere. We go all over. So you're back living in digs, Les. <laughs> Premier in. <laughs> Don't forget, if you'd like to go and see Les in action, he could be playing in a town near you with 42nd Street, also starring Samantha Womack. Uh, you can get your tickets wherever you normally get your tickets. 
And if you're in the mood for more funny conversations with funny people who do it for a living, well, why not head to the back catalogue where you'll find Russell Kane, Rob Brydon, Adam Hills and Al Murray. Oh, and don't forget, I'll be back on Tuesday with a brand new episode, a mini drop of our vintage cut, Something from the Cellar, where we revisit old conversations from fantastic guests. Serve to your feed every Tuesday afternoon before I'm back next Friday with a brand new guest. Until then, thanks so much for listening. White Wine Question Time is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.